This is Psalms to God, Season 2, Episode 33, Christianity versus Greek Life, Part 2. You can find the show notes for this episode at www.psalmstogod.com. Abstain from all appearances of evil. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 22, King James Version. Hey guys, welcome back to the Psalms of God podcast. This is your host, Ri. Today, I want to continue a conversation that I started last season about things that I learned from Greek life that I felt like I should have learned from the church. Now, this episode is going to be slightly different because what I want to talk about today, I don't necessarily feel like I should have learned it from the church. It's just something I learned from the process of being in a sorority or being involved in Greek life that I think people in the church should know and think about. So when I was in undergrad, there was this leadership retreat that was mandatory for people on the executive board of their sorority or fraternity. And because I was vice president of my sorority, I was required to go each year. And so I went. (laughs) What was interesting about this retreat was that people from every council were represented there. So for those not really familiar with Greek life, there are different councils within the system. So you have the traditionally white fraternities and sororities, you have the traditionally black fraternities and sororities, and then you have like a multicultural Greek council. Um, There's other types of Greek councils. I'm not even really sure what all exists because what is present at each college is slightly different. I've noticed that as I've gone from different schools, Um, But at the school that I attended, there were the white sororities and fraternities and the black sororities and fraternities. And so I, being a member of a black sorority, was a part of the council that includes both the black sororities and the black fraternities. And the way we do things and the way we operate is very different from the way that the white sororities and the white fraternities operated. And just going into school, I didn't necessarily know that. I mean, there's some things that... I guess because um, white culture is pushed in a more mainstream fashion, movies and things that are about Greek life tend to mirror those traditions. And I mean, of course, then you have things like Stomp the Yard um, for more of like a black perception, a little bit in something like Drumline, um, touches it on it in like a different world. But of course, those aren't necessarily quote-unquote mainstream movies so I feel like if you grow up in mainstream society you probably don't know how different black Greek organizations are from white Greek organizations and similarly as a black person who never ever contemplated joining a white sorority I had no idea how that process worked or what it was like all I knew was what I had seen on TV and Just to give you a preview of how this conversation is going and why it's relevant for this podcast, um, 
Christianity is kind of the same way. So you have all of these different denominations and they are different based on the denomination themselves, but they're also different based on the culture. For instance, I grew up in a black Baptist church and attending a black Baptist church is probably a very different experience than attending a white Baptist church. Um, and to be honest, going from a black Baptist church to a black AME church, not that there are white AME churches, but going to an AME church or going to a black Methodist church um, or even just a black non-denominational church, they feel very similar. Um, even the uh, a few of the black Seventh-day Adventist churches that I've been to, the ones that are like um, all black and more so from like the Caribbean and things like that, there are still some vibes that are very similar to what I experienced growing up in a black Baptist church. But then when I went to like more multicultural churches, there's a different feel. There is a different culture there. Same thing if I've ever, when I've ever entered a church that is predominantly white. The music style is different. Sometimes the order of service is different. Just like the way things go are very different. The same thing is true in Greek life. There is differences amongst these different councils. And then on top of that, um, there's not really a whole lot of interaction between each so it's very easy to get in your own bubble and not really know about the other but then you have all of these people outside who have opinions about those organizations a lot of people who have never been in a greek organization who don't really know anything about the behind the scenes of a greek organization have very strong opinions about greek life i remember um, in undergrad getting into a very heated discussion with someone who tried to accuse uh, the organization specifically in MPHC about only throwing parties and we actually our council brought in more community service hours than the white councils despite the fact that we had chapters with two people in the chapter five people in the chapter ten people in the chapter the largest chapter in our council was probably like 50 people, whereas the white organizations had like 200 people in their organizations. And yet we were bringing in more community service hours than they were. The thing was though, when we tried to raise money for philanthropy, people who were not Greek, they wouldn't come to a forum. They wouldn't just give you money if you said, hey, I'm raising money for March of Dimes. Will you give me a dollar? No, they wouldn't, but they would pay you $10 to come to a party and get drunk and dance and do whatever. So what we would do is throw a party and take your $10 and donate it to March of Dimes because that's the only way we could get you to give it to us. And so we got into this whole argument because people only see their side of the story, right? And sometimes it's, you know, sometimes it is we're conforming to the world to get what we want. And sometimes it's just that people are unaware of what's going on behind the scenes. That being said, every organization has bylaws. Every organization has like a creed or a motto or something like that. And more than likely, even though people will associate certain things with a organization or with Greek life as a whole, they're not necessarily familiar with all of that information. Some of that information is public, but people don't, I mean, unless you're really interested in joining an organization, 
most people don't just Google Greek organizations and look up this type of information. And so this is also like the church. If you are not trying to be a believer, you're probably not going to sit down and read the whole Bible cover to cover. I mean, that's literally a thousand plus pages. You're not going to do that. You're not going to totally memorize the word of God and, and be well versed on what a Christian is supposed to look like or what Christ actually stood for. You are going to watch the Christians that you see around you and that's going to shape and form your idea of what Christianity means. And it could be spot on to the book, which is in this case, like the bylaws, or it could be totally different, right? And what you see is what you start to associate, right? There's what you see and what you associate with what's going on behind the scenes. So that's one thing I want you to keep in mind as I start talking about all of these, all of this information. The the conversations that used to come up in this leadership retreat were very interesting because they would showcase the difference or the differences between the two groups or the the two councils. I guess technically it's three councils, but I'm lumping the fraternities and the sororities together for for Panhel and IFC. And so one of the major differences that came up one one year was the intake process. It's very, very different between the white fraternities and sororities and the black fraternities and sororities. So white fraternities and sororities have this thing called rush week and people come out and they, they you know, go to different events with the members of the organizations and they visit different organizations and learn about each organization and they try to make friends and try to get on their good side. And then at the end of the week, they say what organization they want to join, but they list multiple organizations. So they list like a first choice and a second choice and I think a third choice. And then on the other side, the organizations do something similar and they rank, I guess, the people they've met based on who they want. And then there's like a committee that's formed. It's supposed to be like a neutral committee out of all of the organizations. And then they try to place people based on the preferences so that they match, right? Um, that is definitely not how it works in MPHC with black fraternities and sororities. Number one, um, the first difference I would point out is that for the white sororities, you can join your first year, your first semester. That's normally when people do join. That is not true for black Greek organizations. Um, for one, you know, we have that phrase, uh, you make the letters, the letters don't make you. So a lot of times they want to see who you are and what you've done and what you're gonna bring to the organization. So you kind of have to have already started doing things on campus that make you a leader on campus or make you stand out on campus. Um, but also you have, just minimum, you have to have a certain number of credits, you have to have so many hours you can't join. There are a couple of people I know who joined like second semester, their freshman year, but you cannot join the first semester of your freshman year. It's not even possible. Um, that being said, the concept of first, second, third choice is 100% a no-no in black Greek life. It is very much more about exclusivity and about 
declaring a desire to be in this specific organization. So if members find out that you have expressed a desire to join multiple organizations, um, you will not get into any organization because everybody's gonna be like, oh no, mm -mm. nope, not not here. And you know, there is this, this, the idea is more so like if you come and you don't make it, you'll come back next semester and try again until you make it. That's really more so of the mentality from a Black Greek perspective. And so it was very interesting um, because when we started having this conversation, one of the the girls from the white sororities, she was absolutely flabbergasted that we reject people, especially when you look at the contrast in the size of the chapters. They were like, yeah, we do everything we can to make sure that nobody gets rejected. And we were like, what? And I mean, I'm pretty sure some of us just bust out laughing and we were like, no, we will reject you. And, you know, from our side, it was like quality over quantity. We don't want 200 people in our organization making us look bad because we just picked any and everybody who said they wanted to be in the organization. Now, if you can't guess how this relates to Christianity, I'm going to go ahead and spoiler alert you that I actually agree with both perspectives in terms of Christianity. Um, it sounds really crazy. I know definitely as an undergrad, when I was hearing uh, the white sororities talk about how they try to get everybody in the organization, I was like, y'all crazy. That totally defeats the purpose. I was not, I laughed at them. I really did. Even though I, you know, I was already a Christian, but in my older days, um, I definitely see the merit of that. I don't know how much I agree from an organizational standpoint, but definitely from a Christian standpoint, right? Christianity is not about exclusivity and we want to save everybody. That's the goal, save everybody. And just like a sorority or a council of sororities, there should be a place for everyone in the body. If you come in, maybe you're more of the behind the scenes person, maybe you're more of the upfront person, maybe you are more of the, um, the person that we want to do the tech stuff, maybe you are better at visiting sick people. You know, there are lots of different places where people fit within the body of Christ. And I do think it is the church's responsibility to find a place for every person, right? Maybe you shouldn't be up on the stage singing, okay? Maybe you should not be there. So you don't need to join the quote-unquote fraternity of song, right? But maybe you are great at making people feel welcome. So maybe you should be on the welcoming committee, right? That's a different fraternity or sorority, but that's the one for you. And they will welcome you with open arms and you will join that and you will find your place and be happy. I totally get the way that should work from a Christian standpoint. But there's also the concept of image. And what I found, this part I did touch on a little bit last season, but I want to go deep, deep, deep into this for this season. What I found was one of the biggest differences, again, between the Black organizations and the white organizations was how much care we put into the image of the organization. The white sororities would wear their letters in any color, in any pattern. 
they would put their name on shirts and then they would give the shirts out at their events. So people who are not in their organization are walking around wearing the shirts. We don't do that. Not only do we not do that, but I remember almost instantaneously after I joined my organization, my wardrobe choice or I mean, my wardrobe itself didn't really change, but the choices of what I put together definitely changed. Like my sorority's colors are blue and gold. And before that, I did not own any gold jewelry. I was definitely team silver. I preferred silver jewelry. And if you have ever met me post joining my sorority, you probably have never seen me wear silver jewelry. My jewelry started to become almost 100% always gold because there's another sorority that's colors are blue and white. And I remember when I first joined, people were like, you're just wearing blue. I don't know if you're in that organization or if you're in this organization. And so I would start to wear gold jewelry to set it apart. And so quickly, blue and gold became staples in my wardrobe, even though before then I would have never put those two colors together. And there are other colors that I just, like I, you will not see me wearing pink and green together. Like I just, even now I just, it never occurs to me to do that because almost instantaneously, you are kind of taught that you are representing your organization. So there's like this, this trigger that these colors go with this organization and then Beyond that, it's your personality. It's the the image that you're setting. So for instance, um, some organizations on campus, um, you know, I guess I'll be general to make a point, no shade to anybody. I'm not saying that there aren't people like this in all organizations, I'm being general. But for instance, you have organizations like the Kappas and the AKAs that were more focused on, you know, style and image like you would never go to an event and see you know the girls from the aka chapter without makeup on or without their hair done you would never see the guys from the kappas like you would never see them not dressed to the t like they just didn't come out of the dorm like that and the same thing like we were very much focused on community service we were very focused on um education and so you always saw us at the awards ceremony. Me and my profite were always at the top of the charts for the GPA. We were we were all tutoring. And so what our sorority principles were about, that's the image that we were also projecting out to the campus. So that if you saw us, you would associate us with this. And the programs that we, you know, started to to do or the programs that we promote not just campus-wide, but organizationally, all go back to whatever that purpose is. So my sorority has something called Operation Big Book Bag, where we raise supplies for underprivileged kids. It makes sense because our focus is on education. We have things like, we have an essay contest for scholarships. Again, focus is on education. You would see other organizations, maybe they have a fashion show because I don't want to say that's their focus because they do have other focuses and pillars, but the images that you want associated with your organization, that is what you strive for through your programming. And so it gives you a brand, essentially. And by 
rejecting people on the offset, you're basically rejecting people that don't see eye to eye with your brand. Now, I'm not saying that Christians should reject people in general, but I do think that the the face that we put out to the world, the image that we project to the world is very muddy. It's very, very muddy. People don't know what it means to be a Christian. And we have people representing Christianity that do not go by the word, right? And so you could think of the word as like bylaws, right? And we should be matching the bylaws. We should be matching the Bible, but some people don't, but that's the person you put in front. That's the person you let be the visual um, link to your organization. And you're just like the white sororities would let anybody wear their letters. Christians are letting anybody call themselves a Christian because we have this thing like, well, I can't tell them what they believe and I shouldn't judge them and all this stuff, but we have to call people out. If you are not following the principles of Christ, do not go on national TV and call yourself a Christian. Do not go out and garner massive congregations following you and call yourself a preacher of God and try to say that that God that you're calling yourself a preacher of is Yahweh because it's not, because you're not preaching his word. And I think in that respect, we should be more like black organizations. We should be more um, serious about our image. We should be more um, proactive. We should be more concerned about the quality of the people who are coming in. And I don't mean coming in like giving their life to Christ. Like I said, I think everybody should come in, but the people that you're going to let come in and lead, the people that are going to be front and center, right? Everybody should not be front and center. I I am one of those people. So within my chapter, I was definitely more of a behind the scenes person. Now, when necessary, I might get up, I might speak. I'm a good presenter. At least I hope you guys think I'm a good presenter because hopefully you're tuning into my podcast. But I'm good at giving speeches. I'm good at talking. I am not good at stepping. Okay, my sorority does not want me on a show, on a stage doing a step show because I'm gonna make us look crazy because I don't have coordination. Okay, you don't want me in the stroll off because I lack coordination. That is why I never was in that place. I was the hype person. I will stand on the sideline and be like, I see you, I see you all day. I will make sure that the right track is playing when you need it to play. And I will do all of the logistics behind the scenes, get everything secured, do some planning. I got you. But you don't need to put me on the stage to represent the sorority in stepping because that's not my forte. And that's kind of the same thing that I mean when I talk about Christianity. Like we're letting people be teachers that should not be teaching because they don't know what they're teaching. We're letting people who can sing really well but are not necessarily steeped in the word of God, go out and and be the beacon of what Christianity is. We have people that are misrepresenting our organization. And that is where we have to be very careful. That's something I think that the church really should work on. And I don't know, it was just the entire the entire way that how I carried myself kind of changed from joining the sorority, I feel like that transition 
as I got deeper in my relationship with Christ, I did see that same kind of a tradition transition in how I carried myself as a, as a believer. Um, but I feel like that's not, it's not necessarily true for everyone. And I do think it should be. I think we should talk about that more often, how we change, not to go up to people and beat them over the head and be like, oh, blah, blah, blah. But just, just the expectations, um, just like I said, what we're showing people, calling people out when they're doing things that are not of God, but putting God's name on it, if that makes sense. And of course, bringing it back to this idea of selectivity, being selective about who we acknowledge as a Christian. There are plenty of passages in the word that talk about false prophets, false apostles, false doctrine, and it's very obvious that it's okay to call that out. So just because people want to call themselves a Christian, that does not mean we get to let them call themselves a Christian in false doctrine, right? If you want to repent and turn your life around, come in, right? That's where I agree with the right sorority way. I don't care that you were a prostitute. I don't care that you were a drug addict. I don't care that you were a felon, whatever. You are welcome. You are welcome to come in, okay? But you can't come in and continue to be a, a felon or a prostitute or, or whatever it was that you were struggling with before. You can't come to me and be like, this is what I do and I'm gonna keep doing it and I have no remorse about it and I want you to let me in. In that case, it's a rejection. It's like, no, you're not part of this. Go, go away. Go back until you get yourself straight and you can come back. And even the sense of first, second, third choice type of a thing, um, God should be our only choice. And so, you, like I said, I think that there is merit in both strategies that the church can take from. And it just, I don't know, I think part of the reason why this topic was on my heart is because the, the country is very polarized right now and you have a large majority of people that are voting one way or the other and they're claiming they're doing it because they're Christian and it doesn't actually line up with Christian principles and it bothers me because for instance in my social media world um, I have a lot of people that follow me or that I follow that are agnostic or are um, cultural Christians, that's what we'll call them. They're cultural Christians. They don't really have faith. They don't really necessarily believe, but they grew up Christian and they celebrate the pagan holidays that they think are Christian. So they think of themselves as Christian. They may even say they're Christian, but they're not pursuing a relationship with God. And then of course I have people who are hardcore Christians that are voting polar opposite ways. And, um, you know, I even posted a video about that topic about, um, it's not my video, it's someone else's video. I'll link it in the show notes about the difference in voting between white Christians and black Christians and the history of that. But really just seeing people actually believe, people who have no knowledge of the word of God, seeing them believe people who are claiming to be Christian are Christian and that that's what Christianity is because we have people calling themselves Christian that are not Christian. And it it drives me up the wall. And I don't have the energy to just go down Facebook or Instagram or whatever. And every time I see one of these memes or one of these 
you know, back and forth conversations and be like, that's not a Christian. You're not a Christian because you're not following Christ. Like, I can't go around policing people like that. Like, it, it's, you know, it's absurd. But it's also depressing because I see how the image of Christ is being marred by people who are wearing the badge of Christianity that are not Christians. And it, like I said, it really just gave me flashbacks back to the conversations that I would be having with the girls from these different sororities and how we would be so surprised. I remember um, they made a Greek life shirt and they were putting the organizations on there and we were like, no, you know, and it was a whole debate because they wanted to put all the organizations names on there. We're like, no, nobody can wear our letters, but people who are in the sorority. And, you know, they didn't understand this is why because we don't want people misrepresenting the brand of our organization we have enough problems with people who are legit members of the organization misrepresenting us we don't need people who don't even know what it's about misrepresenting us as well and so i just think that as believers we should be mindful one of ourselves. first and foremost you should always look at yourself first don't just go out and point fingers at other people but we should be looking at ourselves. I'm doing a whole podcast calling myself a Christian. How am I behaving in the world? When people meet me, are they seeing someone who is actually reflecting the character of Christ? I know you're not gonna do that 100% of the time because we are flawed. But most of the time, am I reflecting the characteristics of Christ? And when I don't reflect the characteristics of Christ, do I try to go back and make it right? Like if I snap and I cuss somebody out, do I go back and find that person and apologize to them and, and try to make amends? You, do you get what I'm saying? Then you can go further with your friends. Okay, my friend is calling themselves a Christian and they're out in public doing X, Y, Z. Like, hey, you know, that's not really Christ-like, blah, 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 right? Being accountability partners for each other. Then there is the aspect of like this whole celebrityhood, which is, I guess, the biggest problem. When you see these people out here calling themselves Christians and followers of the Most High God, and they are not doing the will of God, they are not following God's way, they're doing things that are completely contrary to God all the time at that don't follow them up. Don't continue to put them on a pedestal. Don't refer to them as Christians to other people. Make sure that you're talking to your friends who are not believers and countering those ideas and saying, no, that is not what Christianity is. They are misrepresenting my, my, you know, my savior. The thing that I want to leave you guys with um, is that there was a lawsuit placed against uh, Netflix and the Sabrina the Teenage Witch series. I did not watch the series. Um, I'm not talking about the one from TGIF from way back in the day, but there is an animated series um, that aired on, I think it's animated. I don't know, guys. There's one that aired on Netflix recently. And in this series, the creators slid in an image of Baphomet and Baphomet is the satanic statue or the satanic representation of Satan um, that they worship or whatever. Uh, yeah. And the Luciferian people actually sued over misuse of the image. 
Now, I want you to think about all the times Hollywood has misrepresented Christ, has misrepresented Christianity. Um, I mean, for starters, they all the fact that they even cast people to look like Christ is blasphemy. And the fact that they always casting somebody that's European is further blasphemy. So think about if Christians were suing Hollywood for misrepresenting our faith. Do you know how different things would be? These are the types of things that we don't even talk about, we don't think about. Instead, we just let it run rampant. And then we allow those misperceptions, those deceptions, that false doctrine, that false image to take over the brand of our savior. So that is something that I definitely think Christianity should be working on. Um, and I kind of feel bad now because I spent a lot of time talking about the exclusive, the exclusivity, and I didn't spend nearly as much talking about the inclusivity. Um, and I only have one more episode left in the season. Guys, what am I going to do? Maybe I will do a part two on inclusivity. Um and have like two episodes next week. I don't know. We'll see what I can do. But that is the topic for today. I hope that uh, you have enjoyed it. As always, don't forget to like, to comment, to subscribe, to send to your friends, and definitely check us out on YouTube. Um, so I have started a new YouTube channel. It shows my journaling process and it has visuals to go along with the audio. Um, I haven't done anything for this season, but starting next season, the podcast will also be on YouTube so that you can have visuals with the audio. So definitely go check that out. Go ahead and be ahead of the game and subscribe and like and comment there as well. It's also another way you can interact with me if you have questions, comments, concerns, etc. Once again, thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it and I will see you guys next week. Bye.